Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hi, everyone. It's Dusty. Before we get into the episode, we wanted to take a moment with you. We are completely devastated, incensed, and frankly enraged over the overturn of Roe versus Wade. We've said it many times, and we will say it many times again, abortion care is health care. All people should have access to the health care they need, and all people are entitled to their right to choose what is best for their bodies. We will soon be producing an episode on the current information about this overturn and how it is connected to other queer law. Today's Pride Mix episode is specifically about trans rights and the attack on trans people currently happening in state houses across this country, and it was researched, produced, and recorded about one month ago. Hello and welcome to Pride Mix here at Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. June is LGBTQIA Pride Month, and during the month of June, our Trail Mix episodes are called Pride Mixes. Pride Mix is a chance for us to dive deep into queer history and, in some cases, how queer history intersects with the National Parks and the National Park Service's role as America's storyteller. Well, in the last two years of Pride Mix, we have turned our focus on events and people in history, specifically in New York and San Francisco, to help illuminate the contributions of queer people in the LGBTQ plus movement. This year, we have turned our focus on laws which have been enacted against the LGBTQ plus community in the last year and beyond. These laws are regressive, harmful, and baselessly driven by legislators and politicians who, rather than dealing with real social issues and injustices, would prefer to placate a radically right conservative Christian base. Today's Pride Mix is about the onslaught of anti-trans bills that have swept the state houses, city councils, and municipalities across the United States. We'd like to address exactly who is the intended audience for this episode. This episode is written specifically for our non-trans identifying listeners who wish to be better allies for the trans community. To our trans listeners, feel free to listen along, keep us accountable, or sit this one out, as we will be discussing transphobic arguments and how to address this, which is the mantle that the allies need to be picking up anyway. Advocating for equal protection for the trans community should not be the responsibility of the trans community. It is the responsibility of everyone else who love them and also want equal protection for them. 
Therefore, trigger warning, we will be discussing abuse, suicide, and murder. Let's start by saying this. Trans people are people who have been around for as long as people have existed on this planet. They existed before the term trans entered the language of identity, and there will always be trans people with us on this planet. They are people who want to live their lives and have access to their ability to live and make choices the same way that all of us do. And their unique understanding of identity, self-expression, and self-actualization is an asset to all of humanity and what it means to exist in community. Now for some reality. The statistics around transgender survival are frankly alarming. Some of the disturbing statistics. According to a Dutch study, trans women are dying faster than the general population. According to data collected in 2015 by the Center for Suicide Prevention, 0.5% of the world's population is trans. Trans people are twice as likely to attempt suicide. Over 10% of trans people reported recently attempting suicide. Two out of three trans young people reported recent self-harm and 22 to 43% of trans people reported having attempted suicide in their lifetime. And it doesn't stop there. 2021 was reported the deadliest year for the murder of transgender people with 375 reported murders worldwide. And around 29% of trans adults live in poverty. 54% have experienced intimate partner violence. And this goes on. And the numbers continue to not be great. And let's talk about what's happening right now. So far in 2022, there have been 238 anti-trans bills introduced into states across America, including Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Mississippi, Montana, Tennessee, Utah, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Florida, and the list goes on. Almost all of them targeting trans young people or kids. Many of them seek to prohibit trans athletes from playing sports, while others seek to prevent trans young people from accessing medically approved gender-affirming therapy, while others seek to expressly exclude. Okay, so as elders, because that's what we are now, Mm -hmm. and as educators, Mm -hmm. and as people who are community members who care, How do we create safe spaces for young people when so many people are trying to legally exclude them literally everywhere they go? Yeah, it's a really, it's a very interesting topic, especially being someone that's in schools currently and how you do that. Um, I think quite honestly, a lot of it is is showing up and also being comfortable with saying to those trans youth that you might know, or, you know, even if you don't know that you are a safe space, feel like as an art teacher, the art room sort of becomes safe haven for a lot of kids. So that was always my safe haven as a kid. And, you know, especially as a queer kid, I feel like that was a space for me. So I feel like having the ability to cultivate a safe space environment and ensure that those students specifically know that it is open safe space for them um, and that they should feel comfortable. And that's not to say that I've like, you know, outed myself to my students or, you know, said I'm queer, but it is, I think, just how you respond to receive and even just talk to them and even just being like, I'm 100% behind you in every single way that I can be. Um, I've had a lot of kids, you know, tell me that they're given names or dead names that they have their you know new names that they they've gone over their pronouns with me and i've always 
try to be, you know, without being like, you know, overt about it. I've always tried to be the person that's like, I'm so happy that you could share this with me. I am 100% here for you. Please don't take offense if I accidentally switch your names because I have over like 300 kids, but I just try to be able to be that space for them. I think that a lot of people misunderstand safe space because safe space is a place where people can go where it is safe, right? And I feel like there's like a voluntary aspect of safe space. And I know that safe space has been studied and whatnot. But for instance, like it's hard to create a safe space in a room full of people that are required to be there together. Mm -hmm. A class of kids come into a classroom. You can't just say this is a safe space. Right. It's like your classroom outside of that group of people can be a safe space. Sure. You have other people who are in the room who can't necessarily choose to not be there or choose to be there. They are required to be there. So you don't just create a safe space by saying this is a safe space. You have to like... Right. It's cultivated. It's cultivated and you also have to communicate it. For instance, like a classroom, I have other friends who are teachers who are have it on their door. And so they know that when the classroom is empty sure. and when no one is in there, that is a safe space sure. to go. Right. Yeah. And that there's also a certain amount of, you know, responsibility that you as the person in charge of that room have yeah. as far as when required people are there. When right. class is in session, you have a certain responsibility to your trans students sure. or your queer students yeah. to maintain the safeness of that space, even though it may not always be safe. True. Right. I feel like so many of the people who have proposed the trans bills that we've just been talking about don't know any trans people, have never spoken to trans people, have never understood what it's like to be on the outside in the same way that they are. I would welcome for five years for straight people to not be able to legally get married so that they understand just what it's like. Right. Right. Just as an exercise, straight people can't get married for the following five years. Sure. Just so that you get it. And then I wonder what happens. Right. I mean, and that's just a small, small exercise, but I feel like that would just be so illuminating. Well, it's that way with so many laws. I think it's lived experience that is lacking empathy and understanding from a lot of lawmakers and legislators when it comes to, you know, legislating things from anti-trans bills to bills against educators to how, for example, someone can't produce evidence (laughs) in a case against them that could exonerate them or at least change the course of their change the course of their um, imprisonment. Yeah. So I do think that it's I think a lot of the legal system that I've seen, and especially in the last few years, comes from a place of not even data driven or um, study based thinking. It's just like pure gut, visceral, religious leaning. And always religious leaning. Legislation that comes from a place of fear as opposed to a place of understanding or as opposed to a place of wanting to understand. It's like, I don't understand this, so we'll just legislate it away. And also it's to boost and, you know, motivate a base of voters who are racist, who are homophobic, who are transphobic. I just feel like some people will never understand that even the proposal of that law, what the implications are, and that they do it going like, maybe it won't pass, but I'm going to propose it so that 
people vote for me later, that sure. this particular mm. group of people vote for me later. Sure. And that's, to me, that is, uh, that's where you have no integrity. That's, right. I mean, I feel that so deeply about so many people right. in the Republican Party, frankly, that sure. there's just zero integrity. Well, there's a lot of scapegoatism that happens. Oh, yeah. I hate to draw the parallel, but I will. When you think about the Nazis who scapegoated Jews and basically did what they did to them on a lesser level, some ways on a similar level, that's what a lot of conservatives do to queer people, do to immigrants, mm -hmm. do to people, um, of color. people of color, do to educators. It's all scapegoatism. And it's not drilling into what's actually problematic. It is pointing towards a group of people, putting a face to what they believe is the issue, when in fact it has nothing to do with it. Right. I say all the time, feelings are feelings and facts are facts. I'm so sick of legislation just like being thrown out based on feelings. Right. Because I don't I don't care about I don't care about your feelings. Sorry, Republican Party, I don't care about your feelings. Right. There are implications for your actions that affect other people. A lot of those people have never been on the receiving end of those implications. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think devastates me the most is that they don't care. Or it's the illusion of care. Yeah, when when for their, the for their straight white when the light conservative Christian is on me yeah. for yeah. the moment <laughs> and it looks good Friends that and I fellow care. People. Yeah. <sighs> Sadness. Let's look at some of the arguments being used to harm trans kids, the reality of the situation, and what you can say next time you hear someone say this. First up, the argument that says that gender affirming care for trans young people is dangerous. This is false, and here's why. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, which was founded in 1930, and the American Medical Association, both agree that the best practice is delaying puberty until the young person is older and can make their own decisions about who they are. Patients and their healthcare providers should make informed decisions about what is in their best interest, not politicians. Also note, this was guidance from the American Academy of Pediatrics, which was founded in 1920. A popular source of misinformation is the American College of Pediatricians, which has been labeled a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, and they also support conversion therapy. Many scientists entirely rebuke information from this deceptively named organization. Also, transition does not always include medical intervention by way of gender therapy or procedures or any procedures otherwise. A trans person owes no one any amount of physical expression or gender presentation whatsoever. If a young person is trans, what's important is that the people around them love them, support them, and listen to them. Next argument. Trans girls have an unfair advantage in sports. Here's why this is bogus. First and foremost, trans kids have the right to participate in sports consistent with their identity, just like everyone else. To deny them this right is unconstitutional and discrimination. In short, this argument is trying to create a problem in a place where no problem exists. There is simply no data that supports this. Trans people have been competing in sports as their authentic selves for years, and there is simply no data showing that they are dominating their cisgendered fellow athletes. The data that we do have shows that 25 states have successfully implemented trans-inclusive policies that allow trans young people to participate in sports alongside their cisgender peers while maintaining a level playing field. 
And also, the NCAA and International Olympic Committee have adopted fully inclusive policies. Yes, there have been hiccups along the way, but there are always hiccups with progress. Also, women's rights advocates support trans-inclusive sports policies. Another important factor here is that team sports is a lifeline for so many young people. The physical activity involved, the team dynamic, help to build confidence and trust with peers, and boost one's self-esteem, something that kids across the spectrum, trans kids especially, can benefit from. In an interview with NPR, Dr. Eric Villain states, quote, We know that men have, on average, an advantage in performance in athletics of about 10% to 12% over women, which the sports authorities have attributed to differences in levels of a male hormone called testosterone. But the question is whether there is in real life, during actual competitions, an advantage of performance linked to this male hormone and whether trans athletes are systematically winning all competitions. The answer to this latter question, are trans athletes winning everything, is simple. That's not the case. And higher levels of male hormone testosterone are associated with better performance only in a small number of athletic disciplines, 400-meter dash, the 800 meters, hammer throw, pole vault, and it certainly does not explain the whole 10% difference, end quote. He goes on to say that, quote, every sport requires different talents and anatomies for success. So I think we should focus on celebrating this diversity rather than focusing on relative notions of fairness. For example, the body of a marathon runner is extremely different from the body of a shot put champion. And a trans woman athlete may have some advantage on the basketball field because of her height, but would be at a disadvantage in gymnastics, end quote. And in regards to laws against trans athletes, he said these bills, quote, target women who have either a different biology or simply look different, end quote. The next argument is that non-discrimination protections and laws for trans people will result in misconduct in restrooms. People who make this argument usually look to J.K. Rowling as their leader. If you're not up to speed on the manifesto written by Rowling on her website on this exact argument, I invite you to jump into the deep end of this nonsense if you care. But this is a classic case of turfdom. TERF stands for Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminist. In the 21 states and over 300 cities that have enacted LGBTQ plus protection laws, there has been no increase in bathroom safety incidents. Again, creating a problem where no problem exists. It is already against the law to enter a bathroom with the intention to harm someone. There is no world where someone entering a bathroom with the intent to harm someone could use a non-discrimination protection law to protect them. I can't walk into Macy's, shove someone down to the ground, and then cry hate crime when they shove me back. That's not how it works. Most importantly, transgendered people are our neighbors, colleagues, and community members, and they have the right to use the restroom in peace the same way everyone else does. Okay, so we had a hater on Instagram. Oh, I remember now. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This comes with being queer on Instagram, right? Like, if you go and read Patty Gonia's comments, it is shocking and like but not also not shocking it's just but also a, not yeah. shocking but it's what shocking, i'm saying is and also the hate awful. is the hate is there and the hate will find you mm-hmm. and um you know part of perseverance is just continuing on obviously sure. i mean these are internet trolls who just love to spout hate and love to spread hate but um, love jesus right a lot of the time don't these and these things just don't they don't match for me well, J- Jesus was a notorious hater, right. but <laughs> I don't know also, if you know that. Before we get into what this person said to us, I just want to say this, right? Like, 
I don't know. Like, there are things that I dislike, but I don't go around the internet hunting for it to like, to like spout hate about it, right? Like, I'm sorry, I really don't like pleated corduroy pants. But like, I'm bringing this back around from a previous episode. Uh But I'm like, I'm not going to go search hashtag corduroy pants and look at everybody's and be Mm -hmm. like, these are disgusting. I don't understand why you're wearing them. You look awful in them. How dare you? You're like an abysmal person for doing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going out and looking for hate. That's the thing that just does not compute for me. And for so many people, obviously, like the thing you just said, you know, and obviously some haters don't claim to love anybody, but the haters that claim Christianity and claim the Bible and claim God as their, you know, moral compass, I'm like, you do realize you are fully going against, one, the teachings of that book, everything that uh, Jesus in that book stands for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're calling it out all the time. We yeah. call and everybody calls it out all the time, but I'm just like we do live in like a national like epidemic of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. We can't become numb to it either, just like we can't become numb to so many things. So in actively choosing one to engage and to, you know, to hit back with facts and to also do so in a way that doesn't perpetuate, you know, the hate mm-hmm. is important. I think it deserves to be called out anytime, really, when you feel safe and you're able to do it too, is most important. Certainly. Let's talk about this hater online. Mm -hmm. So this person direct messaged us. Mm -hmm. We had posted something. This was a couple of years ago. We'd posted something that was, that said, you know, we support trans women in sports. This person sent us a direct message and was like, this has nothing to do with the national parks. Why are you posting this? Right. I can't believe this. And then they sent another message that was like, I could never support. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I responded very simply. You saw it and you were like, I won't, I can't engage with this. And I was like, I'm going to very calmly engage with this. And I just wrote back. I said, we support trans women in sports, period. And then they wrote this paragraph about how they could never support a man on a women's team and blah, blah, blah. And then they think it's so stupid. And how could we possibly support this and that it had nothing to do with our content, our content. And you, at that point you were like, I will say something awful if I respond to this. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I will take a moment and I will respond. So I just wrote a very clear message to this person that, cause I did not want any further engagement beyond this message. So I was very clear about this. And I said, it's clear that you haven't read um, our page. We have, or or listen to any of our episodes because this show and this Instagram account is not only a space about the national parks, but also a space about the queer community and the national parks. Right. Our trans family members in the community will always have our support. Right. We will always be there with them every step of the way, no matter what, in every situation. Yeah. Right now, they are being attacked for wanting to fairly participate in sports. So obviously, we're showing up for them. Mm -hmm. I do not need any more from you. I said something like that at the end. (laughs) Banish Ed. And they didn't. They didn't respond. Later that summer, uh, we had, and maybe it wasn't that summer, but later on, like a few months later, we reposted about how the um, Medgar Evers home in Mississippi had become a new national park site. 
And so we had shared that from the National Park Service. Mm -hmm. And here is this troll again. What does this have to do with the National Parks? I simply responded, this is from the National Park Service. This is the Medgar Evers home. And it's the newest National Park site, period. And I've never heard from that hater ever again. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just like a a little bit of a um, small taste of what, um, you know, counts get all the time. Yeah. And I really enjoy when um, I see those folks engage with them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun. If you are asking yourself, how can I be more of an ally to the trans community? Here are some things you can do. One, get informed. There are so many resources out there where you can learn about gender, gender identity, and its role in the human experience. Two, stay informed. These bills targeting trans people are literally incessant. They should get you heated. Keep yourself in the know. Being an ally for a group of people is just like being an ally for the environment. Think globally, act locally. Three, get involved. There are nonprofit organizations in your area that support trans people and trans kids. Participate. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your money. Be a member of the community. Four, shut down the nonsense. There's misinformation everywhere. You should know what your reach is. Make sure that misinformation is corrected and better informed inside of your reach. Your reach will affect someone else's reach. Five, create inclusive spaces. As a community member who participates in inclusive spaces, do the work to help create more inclusive spaces. They are a lifeline for so many people. But I've never done it before. Don't fret. Listen to other people. Watch other people. You'll know what to do. And six, which is vote. Votes make a difference. Votes matter. Votes are our voices. And they matter more right now than they ever have before. Our source for today's Pride Mix include the American Civil Liberties Union, freedomforallamericans.org, the Human Rights Campaign, the NPR and WNYC article, Wave of Bills to Block Trans Athletes Has No Basis in Science, Researcher Says, by Tibet Aramis and Kira Wakiam. This has been Pride Mix by Gays at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to pride early and pride often, and that your pride means nothing unless it's intersectional. Gays at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gays at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. 